0: So this is my friend, Charlie. The most important thing I want you to know about Charlie is that he's my friend. And I really uh, like him abnormally much. And um, he's, when you spend time with Charlie, he's good for you. Um, Most of the time, it's occasionally bad for you, but mostly good for you. Charlie is um, um, most foremost, Someone who cares about people, especially the kinds of people God's just been speaking about. People who are a bit messed up, people who are a bit broken, people who don't want to pretend anymore. Um, but he's got extraordinary skills that God's given him as well, which he really uses for God's glory. He's a uh, very successful um, artist, and um, he likes tea, and uh, has exhibited with, you know, Rembrandt and all sorts of people, I um, don't quite know how it works. How does that work? Is, that, is it just a shared exhibition of etchings or something, was it?
1: It was a mistake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear what Rembrandt said. So, uh, <laughs> um, and and um, Charlie works often in a studio near, near here over at Wintershall and uh, does extraordinary sculptures and cartoons and all sorts of things. And one of the things, I don't know if he's going to talk about this, but one of the things Charlie's spending a lot of his time working on at the moment is helping people who've got um, Alzheimer's and dementia with art and helping them to um, really connect with that part of their, uh, their brains and just create. And he's got an exhibition. He's come here from Hanging Pictures in Kingston upon Thames, just up the road. He's got an exhibition of art, incredible art, created by uh, people with Alzheimer's. Um, And it launches on Thursday at the Rose Theatre in Kingston, all day. And I think it would just be a really wonderful thing to go to. Um, Not really as an act of compassion, but I think you'll actually just really, really enjoy it. But um, Charlie's amazing. He's an old friend. He's spoken quite a lot. Uh, Back when we started out meeting in a pub, Charlie came and spoke then. And then we grew up and moved here. He came and now we don't have any seats. I don't know where we'll be next time you come, Charlie. So... It's really good to have you here. Um, and I know a lot of people have been excited about it. So, Charlie.
1: Thanks. Hello. Uh, I, I got a lot of confusing pieces of paper here and I'm not really sure what to say, but I think what I'd like to say is, um, I always feel huge empathy. When I came in the door now, I didn't really want to come in and I kept leaving. And then I came in again, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I find um, religious or gatherings quite s- terrifying. Um, And I find them almost overwhelming. And so if if you're in that bracket, if if, if someone brought you, or if you're not used to environments like this, and I empathize with you, um, I I still find it difficult. I still find the the music difficult. And I find sermons like this difficult. Um, But I don't find love difficult. Um, And so what I'm trying to say is that the essence of all of this is love. And what we put around it is manifestly different in various parts of the world. This is the way Pete does it, and it's lovely. Um, but I would say, you know, the, the context we, we put love in can look odd sometimes. Uh, I, when I, I remember uh, going to do like an, I was interested in sort of God things, but I wasn't sure about institutionalized religion. I remember going to an Alpha course. An Alpha course is just a basic course that Pete does here, where you just learn about the faith. And I lasted seven minutes. The two things that overwhelmed me, the first thing was, um, the amount of white teeth there were um, lunging at me, uh, and, and I was convinced on that basis that there was some kind of agenda which white teeth were involved in, which is to be super friendly, and the friendliness would somehow coerce me into believing in something that I wasn't sure about. And the other thing was like, they gave me food, and I assumed that if any food came in a religious context, it had to be, have some kind of drug in it. Which again would drag me into some kind of believing state. Uh, I, 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 think, I think in retrospect, I had a kind of religious upbringing. Um, I, I thought the church was dangerous. I thought belief beyond the material was, was extraordinarily dangerous. And uh, I think science was definitely... I, love sti- I still love science, but at the time, science ruled over God. It disproved everything. Uh, I don't know how, you, how you see that, but um, it was also, uh, religion was rule-obsessed, and I was life-obsessed. So I didn't really want rules, I just wanted to live my life freely. And rules somehow got in the way of it. And God meant rules. Uh, and I remember after my first kind of... Um, meeting, an Alpha meeting, I, I left after seven minutes, so I said I just couldn't cope with the kind of intensity of it, the niceness of it. I, I, I went to the pub near my ha- near where the church was, and there were some friends drinking beer in there, and they said, where have you been? You look pale. And I said, I've been to uh, a kind of thing. And they said, what's the thing? And I said, it was like a religious thing, alpha thing. And they said, what's that? And I said, it was a Christian thing. And there's a long pause, and my friend Mickey said, did they have guitars? And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, he said, well, it's a cult. <laughs> and, and there was just immediate association. And uh, they said, don't you dare go back. And I said, OK. And I assumed that a bullet had been dodged and I could live my life freely again. I brushed with religion and staved it oh. off. Um, I, I'm standing here, speaking, and I'm always aware that whenever I see... I'm profoundly suspicious of anyone with a microphone, particularly if they're making some kind of religious statement. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I would say to you here is, um, the questions never end. You know, and they never end. I don't really know. Really. I, I, I have but I, I think the thing about God is He introduces, He expands your brain and introduces more questions. And more questions. And having seen faith as something that shut you down, that sort of gave you a system through which you had to agree on everything, I just see it as this kind of mind-expanding, beautiful thing that gives you all kinds of uh, energy to, to love and to know forgiveness and be free. Um, I saw it as the antithesis of that, and I'm going to tell you a bit why I did my journey. To I, I, I genuinely saw God, or the invention of God, as a kind of neurotic um, response to existence. So you're born in, onto this planet, and here you are, on, on the, wherever you're born into. And it's difficult, because life is difficult. So what you do is, and this is being done for centuries, thousands of years, you create some kind of divinity to make you feel okay. And if you know, then uh, I think cultures then created a divinity that looked like them or they, they created a totem around which they could dance, which, which mimicked them. So eventually you just worship yourself. You find something that looks like you and you worship it. That's what I thought God was. You just make it up. And it's profoundly cynical. So any Christian I came near, I would just say, you know, you're narcissistic. You're into yourself, really. God is you. And so, uh, you know, and I, this is you, you. So I'm standing here as a scruffy, very, very cynical person who's making a slow journey. We're still with questions. But, my, but the reason why I come sweatily from Brixton today is because I genuinely feel that this statement, this person, this Christ, this God, this is true. Um, but it's difficult. Stephen Fry, I think the main reason why it's difficult is because I don't know how you see life, but I see life as... Many, many of the hoops that we're presented with, I fa- I've failed. So I haven't got married, I don't have children. You know, lots of things, I haven't sort of jumped through hoops through which I'm supposed to, society's hoops. Religion is just yet another hoop through which you must jump. That's how I saw it. do these things. If you do them, you'll be liked. Achieve this, do a nice talk, don't say the F word, drive nicely. God will like you, if he exists, but he doesn't exist that's what I thought and Stephen Fry um, who I love said what after all is a halo which is one of those things around your head that make you saint like it's just one more thing to keep clean it's just another thing to keep clean so why bother Um, my friend Monty uh, who was four at the time he's bigger now was on his dad's knee in a church and uh, a very big church like ten times the number here and uh, he was at the back on his dad's knee and the priest stood up and said let us pray and then everyone copied what the priest said and he said I'm sorry for what I've done wrong and Monty, before anyone had <laughs> mimicked the prayer, said, "What's he done wrong?" <laughs> and uh, and his his dad said, uh, well, what, "Well, we've we all done things wrong?" It was like he, it's an echo. We we say, "I'm sorry." And we, See, we all we've all done things wrong. I went, "All right." And he got on his dad's knee. He went right up the side of the church, right to the f- right to the front, at the back, right the front and the side. And he did his pee. And he came out to face. So he came out here facing all of you standing doing prayers. And he walked, <laughs> he walked up. He's four, and people were looking at him. He just looked at them and just went, there was silence. He just went, you naughty, 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 <laughs> naughty, naughty, naughty people. <laughs> um, Robin told me that, his dad told me that, and I remember, I've never forgotten it, because it, to me it's summarized, actually, if I wanted a summary of the Christian Statement, it was that. Someone who's not very good, coming and telling me that I'm not very good. And my, my reaction, I think most of this subculture's reaction is to do that. Really. That all my friends still do that. And they still, when they know that I have a faith, they still resent the fact that I probably judge them when I don't. Because somehow this faith carries with this ridiculous notion that we are better. We're not. It's not a moral platform from which to stand. It's actually somehow a grounding of everyone saying we're all in the same boat, but we're loved. This is it. And, and this is why I'm passionate about it, because I think it's actually one of the greatest kind of uh, deceptions, misconceptions, cover ups in, our, in, our, in, in, in history. And it's being misrepresented, and it looks very confusing. Um, and, I, and that's how I saw it. I, I spent a lot of time challenging it. I thought it was very hypocritical and very, very, very dangerous. And atheism to me, I don't know if you're an atheist or agnostic, or I believe what you are. Atheism to me was a bit aggressive. Agnosticism seemed to me kind of the right route to take because there's no proof of anything. But atheism, I kind of enjoyed it because it was so kind of like that. <laughs> and. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, and of course, for me, I still read atheist books, that, but when I come to them and I read them, people like Hitchens, who I really love, I don't know if you read Christopher Hitchens, I love him, but he, whenever I, you come to read books that are profoundly atheist, what they leave you with, a desire for something more. So you're hungry, as we all are, I think the human being is thirsty, hungry, somehow, insatiable, and you read it and you just think, okay, that's, I like that, but I want more. It's not, it's not enough. And so for me, you know, and then my mother would say, you know, she was like, she is agnostic, she said that kindness is the key. So, put all your religious things down. Stop all your weird singing. Stop your meetings. Stop saying, I am right and you're wrong. Stop being tribal. Just be kind. And if the entire world could just be kind, we'd be okay. But the problem is the world isn't kind. And I'm not inherently kind. So this is the debate we have, but I get her because, in a sense, you see, I, I would say religion has caused all kinds of problems, and I link atheism with belief too, with um, religion. It's a religion in itself. And Ella Wheeler Wilcox said, "There's so many gods, so many creeds, so many paths that wind and wind, while well, just the art of being kind is all this sad world needs." Agreed. I'd have said yes. And. Except for this, I don't know if you ever have moments in your life, weird moments, odd moments, it could be on a train, it could be anywhere. My big moment, of my big reason for atheism, which I held up as my banner, was suffering. Suffering is one of the most extraordinarily confusing things. Everyone suffers um, in all kinds of ways, mentally, physically, emotionally, all kinds of stuff. And um, I couldn't really, when presented with a god... um, so if you hear this, actually this child's crying is interesting, because I'd hear a child crying, or I'd see clips in Africa of children crying, or people dying of starvation, and then I'd, I'd hear the statement, God is love and loves you, and i think, well, that's rubbish, isn't it? How can, that, how can they work together? Still one of my big questions. It's a brilliant illustration, because you hear it, you hear this pain, especially on the telly. And I end up in Africa, in southern Africa, uh, in painting, and thanks. And... Um, uh, I was in this village, and I'd never been to a village, a mud hut village before, and I spent a long time there, and one of the things about the people in the mud, in the mud huts was that they suffered more than anyone I'd ever seen suffer, really, collectively. I'd seen kind of individual suffering, but not a collective suffering like that. AIDS, malaria, you name it, um, people dying everywhere. And one of the things that struck me most about them was a lady called Diwe, whose son had just died, he was 19, and I spent time with her and I was an atheist at the time, and she said, having, she didn't ever really bash me on the head with the Bible or do, do awkward things, she just had this, emanating from her, this kind of gentle, accepting love of herself and people around her, and a hope, deep hope, beyond the circumstance. And she had a little note on this hut wall that was scrawled in byron and it said, um, I am the bread of life. And it was Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And I used to look at it, and I remember say, chatting to her one day when I was doing some drawings, and she, she, <laughs> she said, I said, that, that thing you've got written, there, what does that mean? And she said, oh, that's, because I said it's a bit of a paradox. I mean, it's a bit strange, because you don't seem to have much bread. I do. I have a bank account. You don't know, you don't know what that is. And um, she, she, she's, we had this chat, and she said, well, what feeds you then, spiritually? What feeds you? You know, I don't know where you come from, but I think you probably have a lot of things, and your mind seems to be very full of education, but what feeds you then, under your ribs? And I remember, she, she was smiling, It was no accusation, no judgment, just a genuine question of kind of what does feed you, who feeds you? And uh, and I sort of stumbled around, all I could think of was to answer was, well, in my culture, we are fed by football, sex, uh, ecstasy, uh... Mm. Ran aground. I couldn't really come up, come, and, and I said, "Well, what feeds you then?" And she just said one word. She just said Jesus and smiled at me. I know that sounds simplistic. Well, I'm educated. I'm way beyond that now. We can disprove him. So then we had these, and I had I was profoundly arrogant. I think our culture is, and eventually I came to the conclusion that she was rich and I was poor. And. uh I went home, back to England, I was painting in the studio, thinking and thinking, and Jack Higgins, who's a very successful crime writer, was speaking on the radio, and he was asked, at the end of the interview, what do you wish you'd been told when you were 18? If you could tell yourself one thing at 18, what would you tell yourself? And there was a long pause, And really thought, and he said, well, I guess I would say, Jack, when you get to the top, there's nothing there. And she said, well, really? And he said, yeah, genuinely, it's not what I thought. We put ladders against the wall, and when we get to the top, it's the, the, we put the ladder against the wrong wall. He said, yeah, And he, he didn't say, look, I'm not knocking my own career. I'm just confused as to why there's nothing here. We all think there is. We're convinced that if we do this as hard as we can, make this much money, get this, this, when we get to it, it'll be so full. And he just said "There isn't. And again, you know, that set me thinking and, uh, about success and my friends, and my friend, some friends now, and I, I'm a moderately successful painter, but there are some friends who make six figures now with, effortlessly with their paintings. And I was uh, on holiday not long ago with a friend who, who has done very, very well, and we were sitting at the end of the bed. It was three in the morning at the end of the holiday, and he just said, shit. And I said, are you okay? And he said, he was looking down. I thought, oh no, please don't get into bed with me, I'm not going. And he said, "He said, um, it, this isn't it, is it? It's not here, is it? And I said, what, what you know, is this an existential moment you're having? He said, this, this, this isn't it. This is really, really annoying. It's not here. And I had, a faith, I had a faith at the time, and I was all ready to go leap into the Jesus thing. But I didn't. I just let him say what he wanted to say. And um, and that was it. And, and We chatted over and over, but I I, I think it was, again, this kind of insatiability of the human being is what moves me most towards God. And no one seems to have a reason for it. Hitchens, my favorite atheist writer, said that religion has run out of justifications. Thanks to the telescope and the microscope, it no longer offers an explanation of anything whatsoever important. And I'd agree with that, except this one question, Christopher, why is it then, despite the telescope, despite the microscope, despite just how far we've come on one level, why are we so flipping insatiably desirous of a transcendence and a spirituality, why? What is it in us that is not moved by success? And Freud is another one. Freud said that religion is an illusion. Um, But the problem with it, it it falls within our instinctual desires. My question is why? What is that instinct? Why? Tell me. No answer. What is it in us? And I leave here and I'll probably, on my way home, you'll be fighting through traffic, I might... I might do that Some, you know, I'm not a perfect person and the, the words earlier were great but the point is beyond all this beyond morality beyond good and bad beyond what we think we are or what we, what we want what is it right deep down beyond us what does that really where will that find peace and I've smoked a lot of joints in my time I've done a lot of things but I tell you what it doesn't really get to the spot that God can because it's not really ever designed to and that sounds like a really kind of annoying religious statement. But, and, 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 but I would say that it's true, that, that ultimately, if you, when you find this, that you're known and loved and accepted and forgiven and, and held, you can breathe deeply and sigh and lie down. It's over. The game playing, the charade, the, I, how can I fit in, what can I do to look cool, how can I be sexy, how can, wh- whatever it is that you're working at, none of it really gets there. Um, were there, though some, some things are, I guess. Um, but I, I, for me, being hungover one morning, lying in bed, I heard church bells, and I went to see, um, and I got there, and predictably, it was, um, it was a little church in, in Gloucestershire, and there was a vicar at the front, and four old ladies in the first pew, and then a chasm of pews, and then a empty, and at the back was my pew. And I lay down for a while because I felt sick, and then as I sat up, there uh, there was like, I don't know if you see this, because there aren't any books here, this is just a different thing, but there were lots of books, and one book was the biggest one, and it was bright red, and I opened it, and it was the New Testament, Well, I got to the New Testament, and there was one line in it, and it just said this, it was Jesus, and said, I've come to give you life. And I read it, looked at it over and over and over again, and I thought about the woman in Africa, and I thought about the fact that, how odd is it that we already have life? We're atoms, we assimilate, then we, at some stage we all come apart and atoms become other things, and this life is odd, but we have life without Jesus. So why have you come to give life? If it's already there, if you're religious or not. And I realized suddenly that the life he offers is something different, that it's spiritual. And I thought Christianity was moral and legal, I thought, someone's pointing at you saying, you naughty person. We're all naughty people. So what else is it then? It's life. Gentle, sweet, tender, kind, forgiving, empathetic life. That embraces you with all your mess. And I thought, as that lovely (laughs) person came up and talked about the mess, I genuinely feel that you're embraced with all the mess. You don't have to, you can't clean yourself. Um, I was on a, on a working thing with some Romanians, and uh, it was a school trip years ago, and there was a group of us helping out, and they promised us tuna, because we were English, and we didn't really like the Romanian food, good as it is, but the English really liked tuna, because that's what you eat, isn't it? And we said yes, for eat that. At the end of the week, they got us this tuna, and. It was good, it came in tins, we were all given a tin. The danger and problem with the tin was a lot of us were tempted not to open the tin. You probably can't see it from here, but this is a tin of Romanian tuna, and it says, crap, in red letters, C-R-A-P. And I look, (laughs) it's genuine. And um, there's another product I saw in Sainsbury's, actually, which is a product, and it's called Shitto, marketing floor. Um, anyway, I looked at this and I didn't really want to own the tin, uh, but I did because I was hungry. I ate it and it tasted good, and it was really. I actually and I, kept, I asked for another one, so this is the one I didn't eat. And I, I said to my friends who I was with, "Isn't this interesting? This is good tuna, isn't it?" They said, "Yeah." I said, "Don't you think this is a little bit like Christianity?" I don't even like the word Christianity, but anyway, isn't it a bit like the Christian faith? And they said, "You're mad." And I said, "Well, maybe, but I think it looks crap." But if you open it, it tastes really good. But somehow our, our, our subculture or our church or whatever it is that's got around it has decided to make it look so unpleasant that you wouldn't want to open it, would you? And they just weren't interested in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> People really are. But I would summarize as that. And I think why I'm rambling on now is because having having said it was crap most of my life, and, and thought it was really, really unpalatable. Um, I've discovered um, through friends, through people like Pete, just through getting to know people, through praying, through just various things, and Alpha included, that it's not crap at all. Um, it's not easy sometimes, and opening the tin is sometimes hard, but it's delicious. Um, uh, and that's what, that's what I would say to you. Um, but I, I, I sat next to a bishop once at a wedding, and he, I was quite drunk. And he said to me, um, who are you? I said, I'm Charlie. And I said, I said who are you? And he, he was the bishop of Gloucester. I forget his name. He's a great guy. And he had purple clothes on. And I said to him, you look silly in those clothes. And, and I said, in fact, now's my time to say that I think what you represent is silly. The whole thing is silly. Um, and it's not relevant anymore. And uh, and he, he was incredibly gracious. I was a dick, but you know, and I really went for him. And I was saying, you know, how can you possibly believe now? You know, I was full of Dawkins at the time. How can you? You da 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 da. Anyway, it's religious posturing, and you just da da da. And it's you know, I can't really remember what I said. But what I remember more, and actually, I think you remember more how a person is rather than what they say. Anyway, but he was very gentle, and he really welcomed my words. And I think that's again the great thing about Alpha is you can just say what you want and every question, every statement is good. So I did this number on him. And he came back at me, vaguely, with two things. The first thing he came back at me with was a joke. And he looked at me and he said, two bishops, Charlie, were discussing the moral decline in Britain. And one said to the other, I didn't sleep with my wife before I was married, did you? And the other bishop said, oh, I don't know, what was her maiden name? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 um, I sort of slightly fell off my chair, and, and I thought uh, that was a bishop telling me that joke, and uh, and and you know, and I thought, wow, well, you're human and you're funny, um, and then and then he said, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little statement of why I wear these clothes, and then I'm not gonna talk about it anymore, I and mean, we're gonna dance or do something. I said, okay, and what he said, I wrote down on my piece of paper on a napkin, and this is kind of it vaguely. Uh, He said, none of us is perfect, Charlie, but I believe that we are perfectly loved. It's the only reason why I agree to wear these silly purple clothes. We are human, and we make mistakes. That is our condition. It's messy. Life is difficult. But I believe that we're loved and forgiven if we so desire. And this is called the grace of God, Charlie. And this is what Jesus came to bring. And grace brings change. And yes, there are moral implications and decisions we need to make, but it's a gentle journey and primarily a very, very quiet, gentle relationship. It's not an in-club or an out-club or anything exclusive. Really, it's all about love because that's who God is. That's kind of what he said. And then when he said I was just staring at him, reaching for a cigarette, just staring at him, um, and... Then he got up and he genuinely got up and went and swanned off onto this kind of parquet flooring dance and started swinging around dancing and I never really spoke to him again, it was the end of the evening. and I went to see my friends and I said, listen, I've just had this incredible conversation with that whirly bishop over there. And they said, what do you say? And I told them, they said, stop it Cho, stop it, stop it, right there, stop it, stop it. Before you get into this, don't you dare get into this. It's amazing, isn't it, how this kind of resistance comes and I feel it in myself. No, don't, don't let it happen to you, it's like a virus. Um what so Dawkins thinks it is, which is quite funny. Um, and we talked about it here. They just said, again, just lead a moral life. like my mom. Be kind. Morality is it. And C.S. Lewis, if you want to read a good book, well, lots of good books. C.S. Lewis wrote a great one. And in it, um, I think it's Mere Christianity He wrote this, he said, Christianity will teach you that in fact you cannot be good for 24 hours on your own moral efforts. And then it will teach you that even if you were, you still wouldn't have achieved the purpose for which you are made. Mere morality is not the end of life. You are made for something quite different from that. And that again goes back to what I'm trying to say is there's a tiny pearl that's set within you, right in your chest. Some are so deep, it's barely discernible. And our culture, I think, is lost without it. And we're trying to somehow ram things into it to reach it. And I've done it. And even as a Christian, I still do it. It doesn't work. But this tiny pearl, so deep, is where he meets you. And if you can grasp it for a second that you are loved completely and utterly as you are, if you can get it for 10 seconds a day, if you can get it for 10 seconds a day, if the world could get it for 10 seconds a day, it would be a different world. Completely different, unrecognizable. But I don't think we do. And we go back to the rules, we go back to trying to please, we go back to something and we feel a failure, we feel guilty, and da-da-da. So it goes on. Um, and there we are. And so I would say, this is what Alpha is about. This is what this building, this is why you're Is simply for love, to be accepted, to be known, to be forgiven. And, to, to, and I, I saw so with Christianity, it's very restrictive. It's, it's quite the opposite. It's go and do things. Do things you never dared to do. I do things I would never give him monkeys about if I didn't have him. I wouldn't give him monkeys. Because my heart isn't really big enough. And I think he puts something in your heart that makes it bigger. Um, because I know that I'm, I have a wizened, wizened sort of heart and view on life without him. That's an admission. And I watch the news and I just sink and just think, what's the point of this? And then, the, and then I, just, I refocus and see him. Think, oh, yeah, there really is a point. Um, and I, having said all that, you know, I think we look weird. I don't know if you've never been here before. You look at religion, you think it's all weird. I was at. This is the last thing I'll tell you. I was at. I was at an Alpha conference, so I was quite into Alpha, and. Um, my friend Jamie was on the, was on the guitar and it was in New York and he was a bit lost with his guitar And there were a lot of people like two three thousand people and he said Charlie Can you just nip out and get a piece of percussion and I said really why is that?" He said because you used to play So just go and get something. This is the only thing I could find. This is it It's a banana that couples as a shaker, okay, right? and he said play that with me so I got on stage and for three days he played his guitar, and that I did the worship. It went slow sometimes, and they got part. Anyway, that was it. On the stage. At the end of the three days, a woman, just as so I was leaving, came up to me. And said um, She just sort of grabbed me and said, Can I just say something? And I said, Sure. She goes, I just want to say a huge thank you. And I said, It's fine. She said, I mean, the worship was just beautiful. And I said, Yeah, well, we try. And, and, uh, and she said, Yeah. And then she said, and then I tried to leave, and then she said, I just have one burning question. I said, Go for it. She said, Why were you on stage? (laughs) (laughs) I looked at her and she said, Like shaking a banana. (laughs) So I wasn't miked. So all this lady saw was me with a banana, a banana, staying there going like that for three days, looking really serious three days, different songs, and she just thought, oh, well, you know, that's Christians, right? They're weird. That's all Christians do. They just do weird things. They do they weird, build, weird buildings and have weird songs and they shake weird bananas and metaphorically it's just a banana shaker. That's what we are. And, and I, I'd summarize this talk in two things. One is, it looks crap. But if you have the tenacity and the desire to open it, it tastes delicious. But often when we've opened it, we shake bananas to look weird and I'm really sorry. We don't need to. I mean, the songs are great, everything's great, but you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. The freedom is you're loved. If you can get to know that and then choose to respond how you wish. I'm going now, sorry about that, I blurred on. Thank you for listening, and, and really, Pete, is, this is a wonderful place to explore things, and I've, I think Alpha is, I think I've done it 60 times, and I need some kind of 12-step program to break the addiction, um, but do it. Thanks.